All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, July 11th of 2022. Thank you for tuning into the stream here today. If this is your first time watching or listening to DFS Office Hours, welcome, first of all. Second of all, my name is Jordan. I'm the head coach here at SaberSim, and Office Hours is an open Q&A style show where I answer questions from the SaberSim community about how to use our tools to build better DFS lineups. So if you have questions you would like me to tackle on this show, there's a couple ways to get them to me. The first is to email us, support at SaberSim.com. The second, if you are joining me live here today, is to ask your questions live in the YouTube chat. And the third, of course, as always, is to post your questions in the Office Hours channel in the SaberSim Slack community, uh, for which there is a link to join in the description of every past show. Uh, not only do you get access to that Office Hours channel, which is typically where I start with the questions every single day, uh, but you also get access to the Sim Alerts channels. If you use SaberSim, you get to see uh, new news updates um, along with when we're running new simulations to account for that news. Get access to all the other sports-specific channels, uh, all that great conversation and discussion going on there every day. So as always, definitely get into SaberSim Slack if you haven't already. Uh, we have a handful of questions here uh, for today. So we'll dive in here in just a moment. Looks like a couple different ones here. Some questions about late swap uh, for baseball. Um, a question about diversifying. Um, looks like particularly to reduce inter-lineup correlation in League of Legends. A uh, couple questions um, about slate-specific strategy for tonight um, and how I might go about navigating uh, Coors Field tonight. And our first question ever, uh, and I'm especially excited for this one, um, the first time I have ever been directly asked to provide strategy advice uh, for the Madden simulation contests on DraftKings. Uh, so excited to talk about that one. Uh, the, the Madden simulations are a bit of a running joke here on this show. Um, and uh, But this is the first time I've actually been asked to provide some, some strategic advice for them. So I do have a couple things to say. It's not uh, something that I play a ton of uh, overall, but uh, slightly, I guess, uh, vaguely familiar with it overall. I've got a, got a couple, at least a couple nuggets, I think, to give away uh, for Madden Simulation DFS. Uh, so very excited that that finally uh, came up here. Um, Let's go ahead and dive into this here today. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead. We'll go in order. Uh, we'll start with this question from Tone. Um, and if you guys didn't notice too here, um, we've got a, a nice little background here up now as well. Uh, so the white wall has uh, has gone away. Uh, looks a little bit more homey in the in the office as of today. So um, let me know if you guys uh, if you guys like the background picture there. But let's go ahead. Let's let's get into it. Let's start answering some questions here. So again, uh, I mentioned from Tone here. He said question which relates to late swap in regards to the DFS profit plan. Uh, let's say for example, I'm playing one diversifier contest and one single entry. What I normally do is build one and use in-between slider settings to fill both contests for the same build, uh, therefore ensuring a unique lineup in each entry. If news breaks after lock and I decide I want to do a full late swap, would you recommend late swapping both contests together using the same in-between sliders I used originally? Uh, or could it maybe add value if I were to do two late swaps where I use the default slider settings uh, for the diversifier and the single entry, meaning I late swap them separately using the default slider settings for each? interested to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, yeah, good question. I mean, I would say, so it depends on a couple things. Probably, first of all, you know, if you're already building those lineups all together to make sure that those lineups are unique, right? Um, and you're using some kind of in-between slider settings 
for those, right? So maybe you're using, you know, I, I always talk about the 20 max, 10 to 50 K, or even maybe the 1000 to 10,000, depending on how big these contests being are, uh, is a pretty good in between, right? If you're already building your lineups for a particular contest at these settings, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to, to late swap them there as well. Um, you know, there's a couple late swap specific concerns here that come to mind. The, the first is time, right? Like how much time do you have to get this done? Uh, we don't have a lot of those right up against lock late swaps in baseball compared to something like NBA where, you know, uh, hey, Anthony Davis is scratched and uh, the, the Lakers tip off in three minutes, right? That happens all the time. You really only have time to do it once. So you might as well just do it all together. Uh, doesn't happen as much like that in baseball i don't think so you frequently have time to do two different builds if you want to um but that's probably like, like the very first thing to do is don't overcomplicate your late swap process here um by using two builds to try to to get this in in time when you when you don't have a lot of time to get it done but the second factor i guess that kind of comes to mind here is when when you late swap right first of all uh, well, I don't have an entries file uploaded yet. When you late swap on SaberSim, uh, the one thing that that changes compared to a regular build, um, or, or among other things, but one thing that does change is change when you compare to a regular build is you lose this pool, right? So every lineup gets swapped once, right? So if you have 20 lineups before lock, we're going to build 500 and we're going to sort those lineups by Saber score to find the best 20 from that. And Part of the reason we build that pool in the first place is to give you the opportunity to edit and adjust exposures um, of your lineups and dial things in so you don't have to build more lineups, right? That's like the primary goal of the pool. But the secondary goal of the pool is that we get an opportunity to rank and sort those lineups and identify what the best ones are, right? We're not we're not asking the builder to find the best 20 lineups to play by, making, by building just 20 lineups. We're building 500 and then giving kind of an opportunity to kind of check our work to find those best 20. Well, when you late swap, you lose that, right? Um, you are just, it's going to rebuild the best possible lineup one time around the players that are already locked into the lineup. Uh, down the road, we want to add a late swap pool to kind of rectify that particular limitation there. But for late swap in general, I think one way you can kind of think about this is that the stakes are a little bit higher when you are late swapping a lineup, right? Because it's basically just going to pull out a random set of Sims one time and build the best possible lineup for that. Um, I think that does basically make it, I think that makes a case for late swapping separately if you have the time to do it. And especially if those contests are very different in their strategy, right? So if you're talking about, you know, maybe you have, maybe you have one 500 person single entry contest, right? Where the sliders that would be optimal would be this. And then all of your other entries are into a 150 max with 50 K more, right? This is going to be strategically very different, right? Like these, these lineups are, are likely going to be pretty different, especially when you remove the pool and just build each lineup once. If this was the case, maybe it's to your benefit to split these up and late swap them separately if you have time. Um, but maybe instead, you know, maybe it's a contest like this. Maybe it's a 5,000 person single entry or a 3,000 person single entry contest. And you're playing it alongside a, you know, the solo shot or something like that, which is like a 7,000 person 20 max, right? These are not such so dramatically different that I would be concerned about it. So, you know, a couple things to think about here, I guess a couple things to consider is, one, I think on average, you're going to be fine if you just group them all together. That's what I do like 95% of the time. Um, two, big concern is time. How much time do you have to get this done, right? Probably the first thing you should think about is like, how long do I have before, not even the game in question, but how long do I have before the next game starts, 
right? Um, to get this in. And then three, how different are these contests that you're playing, right? You mentioned one's a diversifier, one's a single entry, but but looking at the sliders, what is implied by the sliders about how strategically different these contests are? And I think that'll help you make the decision of how you want to swap these lineups. So good question. Good place to start here, Tone. Let me know if that helps. Uh, if you have any follow-up questions, happy to jump back in here as always. Um, okay. Uh, so this one, this brings me to... Uh, our fun Madden Sims question here. Um, so let's cover this here. Uh, from Mr. T, does Sabersim cover any of the Madden midsummer special tournaments on DraftKings? Uh, I want a $15 ticket. However, I thought it was for the NFL season. I'm not 100% sure what it is, although I believe it could just be people playing Madden the game. Have you heard anything about it? And do you have any tips? Yeah. So um, what it is, is it is it is the computer playing the computer in uh, Madden, right? Um Got these got popularized, I would say, during COVID when there were no real live sports. Um, actually, was pretty popular for a bit. Um, at least I know people were watching a lot of these streams, um, and that the DFS scene uh, was pretty popular as well. I, I I'm st- frankly I'm stunned that these contests still exist. Like that, there's um, I guess apart from just kind of a. I don't even know if there's an edge here. It feels like it's just kind of a sweat, like just a little bit of uh, uh, just gambling, basically, uh, to play these. If you get a free ticket, that's that's great. Uh, but I've always found it a little odd that that these contests exist um, because they are they're just. I mean, it's a it's a computer versus computer simulation that you're playing DFS for. Um, anyway, um, with that said, I do think there is a little bit of strategy or at least a few things that you can look at or or be aware of when it comes to like building your lineup for for the tickets that you've won here um and the first and by far the most important thing here i guess i should answer first since the question asks it uh we don't support anything for for these madden sims we don't have projections or ownership or simulations but um i think you can kind of like hand build a lineup and do okay with these uh by far the most important thing you need to do is to check on the starting lineups um for these teams right so they use the beginning of season madden rosters here um so where is rules and scoring? So if you click into the contest here um, and scroll down, there will be a note here, depth charts found here. Um, this article is probably your best resource to building lineups for this. Um, just keep in mind, like this is every team um, basically uses the the rankings and the depth charts and like for these teams as they were on October 11th, 2021. Right. So, uh, you know, for tonight, for example, right. Um, like if you were playing this slate, right. What are the three games on this? Um, so if you were, okay. So the Niners are a good example, right? So you would want to come in here and probably double check and make sure and see, um, who was the quarterback for the 49ers. Right. Uh, because it could be, okay. So it's Trey Lance, right? So, I mean, obviously some, you know, could be Garoppolo, could be Trey Lance. Uh, double checking who that that, that actually um, who is actually like the the people that are going to be on the field in the Madden simulation is important because it may not be who you intuitively think. It may not be who the field intuitively thinks. It's just going to be whoever it was at the start of the season. Uh, the other thing I would look at here is um, let's see, um, you know. As you're kind of like building a lineup, I and again, I, this is just kind of what I would think about. I, I this is basically like 
from my perspective, your projections, right? Like I would be looking through and looking through who are the, who are the offensive players on the teams that slate that are elite um, and kind of think about that as basically being a projection. Cause you're talking about a video game here, right? So like George Kittle in a simulation of Madden still has some theoretical range of outcomes of what's likely to happen, but it's by far most dictated by his actual overall in the game um, in a way that's probably more honestly, maybe even like, I don't know. I want to say more reliable than, um, than like it would be in real life. Right. Um, because it's, because it's like, a, because it's a video game and that is his overall ranking. Um, and then finally, I think there are probably some elements of correlation that can still be relied on here. Um, others that probably can't like QB to white, same, same play scoring opportunities are probably still going to have correlations, right? Like if you pick Trey Lance and then pick, pick George Kittle, right? Like those players have to be correlated because Trey Lance has to throw the ball that becomes the touchdown for George Kittle. Uh, the correlations that I think probably, at least in my mind, are probably a little bit less important compared to actual NFL classic would be like runbacks, right? Like I don't think the simulated Pittsburgh Steelers are more likely to throw the ball more if the 49ers go up 14-0 in the first quarter in in the sim. I could be wrong. Maybe we have some Madden simulation sharks in the chat here. Um, and maybe there is something built into Madden that like a team will throw the ball more if they're down. I, I'm not sure. I, I feel like that's less of a factor than it is in real life. So I'd probably still try to stack. I'd probably try to still build like a QB uh, plus two stack maybe um, or plus one stack and, and try to just like correlate those two players together. I would make sure I'm building a lineup full of players that are actually on that actually start in the rosters that are used for this. Um, and I would let uh, overall ratings really dictate heavily how I build the lineup out. Right. I would basically treat that as my projection. So, um, you know, I'd be curious, like I would probably go if I was doing this for tonight, I would probably go and look at each of these teams and probably write down like what are the top overall quarterbacks on every team? And what are the overall top skill position players in the game? Right. Like what's what are the running back rankings? What are the wide receiver rankings? What are the tight end rankings? And kind of treat those as basically projections and then try to hand build a, a relatively correlated lineup. So. Anyway, I talked about that for longer than I expected to be able to, to be totally honest. Um, let me know how it goes. I the I, I don't know. Let me know how it goes. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, what those contests are actually like and what the sweat is like on those. So, um, but I mean, there's a there's a 1K to first contest tonight. Like, there's, I don't know, there's some money to be made here, surprisingly. Um, so... Yeah, I, I still I'm pretty stunned that these are uh, around and as I guess as somewhat popular as they are. So cool. Okay, um, brings us back here to uh, some other questions. This is from In It to Bink It, um, and I see a couple questions coming in in YouTube chat as well. We'll get to those here shortly. Uh, going to get through the questions that are in Slack first, but In It to Bink It says. Uh, how do I stop getting the same combinations of stacks when setting max exposure caps? Uh, E.g., I made 20 lineups for yesterday's MLB slate with a 40% team exposure cap, and my first eight lineups had the same stack combination, uh, when I would assume it would be preferable to have another mix 
of other teams in each. Yeah. So a couple things you can do there. Um, so first of all, let's, let's like talk about kind of why this is here. Um, I want to run a build and kind of just like walk through this. So let's go back and maybe pick up one, like a bigger slate. So we'll use, uh, I guess yesterday's LCK LPL slate. And I'll talk about this here. Um, but as this is building, so I think this can particularly happen quite a bit in in uh, esports, where there are fewer players in the pool. Right, there are typically less games on the slate. Um, there are well, there are fewer there are fewer games in the pool. Uh, there are fewer teams in the pool, um, and as it's it's kind of a byproduct of the way that saber score and exposures work that as you as you um limit exposure on certain teams to diversify and manage your risk a little bit i think you can actually increase the intercorrelation of your lineups because of the lineups that are that are available there right so you know let's go look at this real quickly here okay so we have 70% v5 here right and if we filter on v5 it looks like 30% is uh, paired with IG and 40% is paired with TT, right? But if we kind of look at these lineups here, right, it's clear that the first Sabre scored lineups, the most popular ones here are the ones that are paired with, with IG, right? We have the one TT paired lineup here, uh, but they're, they're generally paired with IG. So if you were to come in here and say that you only wanted 40% exposure to V5, for example, right? That is then going to mean that your lineups are now actually, okay. Um, one, okay. So here, let's actually even take more of an extreme example, right? Let's say, because I, I just want to demonstrate the point here. Let's say you take this down to 20%, right? Okay. Now, okay. So you can see basically we are like creating a more we are pairing v5 with ig more because those are the lineups that are the highest saber score right so there's this can happen naturally in your pool if you are editing exposures this way um a couple things i think you can do one um okay so a couple things i think you can do uh the first would be to set some exposures up ahead of time which i think is going to diversify your pool in a very natural way. Um, you could potentially even do that with just the max exposure here, right? But if you say, you know, 50% max exposure to any one player, it's going to force that you have, it's going to force you to have a more naturally diversified pool to begin with. So that less V5 uh, and IG lineups are, are possible hypothetically there in that particular situation. Um, so um, actually, I'm realizing here, um, I, I pulled up I pulled up League of Legends because I thought this question was about League of Legends, but it looks like it is actually a baseball question, um, which uh, I didn't expect. But we'll go ahead and finish this up here with with the context of League because I know uh, I know in it to Binkit, you typically ask me a lot of League of Legends and esports questions, which I think put me down this path. But uh, looks like we were talking baseball here, so uh, I'll finish up this this question here and then bounce over to the baseball side because I think there's actually some baseball question. I think there's actually some baseball specific nuance here that we can talk about a little bit as well. Uh, but I think setting some exposures up ahead of time 
um, either in the form of the max exposure like this, or just you know preempting the particular team that you that's in question here, right? So maybe it is TT, and you know that you only want thirty percent, right? You could do something like this, and the difference of doing this here is going to be that the pool of lineups knows that you want this diversity and this lower interlineup correlation ahead of time. Whereas setting these exposures after the build, uh, it doesn't necessarily know that, right? It, it finds, it matches your exposures, but it doesn't necessarily do so in a way that like diversifies the those intercorrelated lineups there, right? Um, another thing I think you can do is increase the min uniques, right? If you want to, even just increasing this to two, I think is going to reduce the chance, even if those two teams are stacked together, that those lineups have a lot of similarity overall. Uh, and I think that could be a good way to do it. Um, in baseball in particular, you know, my my favorite way of answering this question would actually be to just increase your sim precision, right? Incre increasing your sim precision here is probably overall my favorite way of, of solving this particular problem. Because what this is going to do is it's going to increase the diversity of your lineups. It's going to reduce that interlineup correlation, but it's going to do so in a way that also makes you lineups have more upside. Uh, the reason I didn't mention this talking about League of Legends is because generally by default on most League of Legends slates, this is already by already 10, so you can't increase it, uh, but you can certainly increase it for baseball. And I think that's probably the best way to diversify your lineups is to increase this slider, right? And if you're up here and you've increased the slider pretty high and you're up at like eight, nine, 10 range with this, and you're still getting lineups where a particular combination of stacks are used together a lot, it's probably slate specific context that's causing that. Like tonight, it would not surprise me if you get a lot of lineups where you have a Padre stack and a call and a Rocky stack in the same lineup together, because uh, the, this game in Coors is far and away the best overall total on the slate, right? So even increasing your sim precision to 10, uh, it's likely probably that your lineups with Padre stacks are maybe a little bit more likely to be paired with Rocky stacks, all else being equal, right? Obviously, ownership's a concern, things like that. Um, so to summarize here, a couple of things you can do. First of all, I think providing some of that exposure up front ahead of time can help because it will help you build a more diversified pool so that when you limit exposures further in step three, it's not doing so in a way that is increasing your interlineup correlation. Um, I think you can increase your sim precision slider if it's not at 10 by default, and you can also increase min uniques. I wouldn't go beyond like three here. This has a pretty big impact the higher this gets, um, but two or three, I think can be a good way of reducing those lineups, right? In this case, if you added it at two or three, right? Even if the Padres and Rockies are going to be paired together in some lineups, it will have to do so in a way that's unique, uh, more unique for those particular teams um, because of that, that min unique slider, so... All right. Um, okay, let's keep it going. Uh, Eagles has a question about this Coors Field game here today. Uh, and he said, on an eight-game slate like today for FanDuel for the Wiffle Ball contest, 150 max, uh, the Coors Field game is the chalk game of the night. Uh, for this size contest, would you go over the field or under? So the Wiffle Ball is enormous, right? It's like 150,000 different lineups in that contest. Um, I will be pretty, I would be pretty aggressive with the way that I would handle um, optimizing for that contest. And I would probably be pretty aggressive with the chalk, right? You can see that if you just come over here, go to FanDuel, right? And just tell us what contest you're building lineups for. You're going to see that ownership fade is going to be very high, right? We're going to put this at six. Sim precision is going to be high, which means we're using just three simulations per lineup 
to set the projections, right? So you're going to have very, a, a very high variance um, across your lineups. We can just look and see how this addresses this particular game. And I think this is one of the cool things about SaberSim is that, you know, a traditional optimizer can't really do this, right? It can't look at a slate and look at a contest and say, here are some different ways about how you might strategically approach that particular contest, right? Because it's just going to build you, it's going to, a traditional optimizer, if you did, if you try to do something like this is going to give you a ton of course field stacks because they're the best overall projected plays on the slate. But in a contest like the wiffle ball, where you are trying to beat 143,000 other lineups, you may have to get a little more aggressive or get a little bit more unique or do some unique things. And now we can go look and, and see, right? So what, what happens here? So we're not, we're a little overweight on Padre stacks. I would say we're not crazy over the field. Um, but we're, we're a little bit overweight on them. Um, let's look and see here. Um, we're also a little bit overweight, just very slightly overweight on Sean Manea, which I do think is an interesting angle here. Good pitcher, um, against a bad office offense in the Rockies, even though it's a good park, sometimes an interesting play here. Um, it looks like our fade is more on the Rocky side. I imagine we're we're under on most of the Rockies. Um, got to a lot of of Padres, but we're not well over the field, right? So I think just running builds on SaberSim that are set for the particular contest you're trying to build lineups for is a great way to get an idea of how you might want to approach lineups in that particular contest. And if you look at like some of the other stacks that are popping up here, you can kind of see why this works. Right. Like, yeah, we have 46.7% Padre stacks, but look at our most popular next stacks, right? Oakland, uh, Philly, who we don't expect to be very chalky here tonight. Uh, Texas, Boston. Let's go see what the ownership looks like on those teams. Right. So, you know, if we look at Philly, right, pretty low owned team. If we look at Oakland, pretty low owned team. I mean, they're a little chalkier. Texas also pretty similarly low owned. Um, what's Boston look like here tonight? Um, you know, sub 10%. So you can kind of see how the constructions come together. It's like, yeah, we'll eat some chalk with the Padres 6.8 or something implied run total. Uh, but then pair them with these lower owned pieces, these lower owned constructions here. So, um, that I think is a great way to build your own intuition about maybe how to approach that particular contest, how you want to address this particular contest, this slate. Uh, if you're asking me personally, what I would do, how I would, uh, address this, I would probably add one more thing to this here and I would run a research build. So a research build for what, for those that maybe are unfamiliar is we will build 1500 lineups with the sliders at 0010. And essentially what I'll be doing is I'll be taking a single game simulation of every game on the slate, setting the projections. Well, I won't be doing this. SaberSim will be doing this. Setting the projections for the players playing in that game to what they scored in that single sim, and then building the optimal lineup for that single slate simulation, and then moving on to the next one, right? We'll do this 1,500 times. And it essentially gives me a way of quantifying how likely is a player to be in the optimal lineup, right? How, how likely are the upside scenarios for a particular player, right? And I'll compare that to ownership to get a sense of if a player is over or under owned relative to their, well, it, relative to their probability of success. So let's let this build. And this is a good way that, you know, all, this is a good way that I, I like to describe it as I use this to become opinionated about the slate, right? When I sit down for a given slate tonight, for example, I don't necessarily start immediately opinionated. I don't, I don't sit down, look at the slate and say fade Padres or fade Rockies or uh, play Manea or whatever, right? Uh, this is a tool I like to use to get my own opinions about how I want to tackle that slate. So we'll let this finish up here. 
And I'll talk about what I'm seeing here, at least in terms as, as, it, as it relates to Coors Field. Um, but let's see. Okay, so we'll look at the batters here. And let's take a look. So, you know, the most likely to be optimal players on the slate are some, looks like a generally a mix of Padres and Rockies, which makes sense. Uh, but it does look like the field is slightly overvaluing these guys, right? Um, you know, at least in the case of a couple of the very, very highly projected on guys that are at the top of the lineup, it looks like there's some inefficient ownership here. Um, all things considered, I will say I expected this to be worse um, in that I expected the ownership projections to be far higher than what those players' likelihood of being optimal are for this particular slate. Uh, I will be interested to see if these get higher. Um, honestly, for a, a team that has a you know six and a half run total, and I don't even think the next best team is projected for much more than five, I'm surprised that we're not seeing like 30% ownership or even a little bit higher on some of these guys. Um, but based on this, I would probably... I am probably still likely to be, I would, I would say just at a quick glance, I, I, I think I would, I am unlikely to be over the field on Coors Field at the moment. Um, I, at least on an individual per player basis, um, I might get creative and do some maybe more bottom of the order kinds of stacks. Like you can see here, um, you know, uh, let's see, let me see if I can find an example. Um, you know, if we're getting, you know, a significant ownership discount on stacking the bottom of the order for the Padres, I might be a little bit more interested in doing that than, uh, playing like the one, two, three, four, five. Um, but based on this, I'd probably still be a little bit likely to be somewhat under on, on Padres for my, for my individual lineups, especially in a contest like this, where you have to get so different to take it down. So, and then, uh, Eagles also said, um, and then we'll hop over to YouTube chat. Uh, we'll save her some update videos for the NFL 2022 season. Yes, we will. Um, I will, as, uh, NFL approaches, I think I remember seeing yesterday or the day before that we were 60 days out from, from opening night kickoff. Uh, yeah, we will, we'll be doing a lot of football specific content as we get closer to the start of NFL season. Um, not sure if we'll be like remaking every video that we made last year. We'll probably do some more things that are like a little bit more unique and, um, special for the, the 2022 season here. Um, but we'll have a bunch of football content coming out as that gets a little bit closer. So, okay, let's see here. Uh, Dad, stop gaming here. Uh, the name made me laugh. Struggling to find an efficient process of entering multiple lineups in a variety of contests of a particular slate. Uh, that is a 20 max, three max, 150 max single entry. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm curious like what you are struggling with here in particular. Um, are you struggling getting, getting the lineups entered or like strategically figuring out what to do? Um, I guess, you know, either way, um, can kind of talk about this. So SaberSim, I think one of the things that SaberSim does really well is it helps you build lineups that are well optimized to different contest types and sizes and things like that. And then we have the tools to help make sure that you get those right lineups into those contests. So um, I do think, I think I'm entered on FanDuel here tonight, um, at least with some contest diversity here. Um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, I can go ahead and just download my entries file here for what I'm entered into for tonight's slate. Uh, and I don't have a ton of contest diversity at the moment. 
Um, but I am entered at least into a couple different 150 maxes and um, the 25 max beanball, right? So let's say that I was looking at this contest portfolio here um, and refresh this to see if I can get this to, to come up here. Um, well, that didn't work. What happened here? Oh, I'm back on DK. Let's see. Let's see what's going on here. Okay. Now we're in business, right? So, you know, maybe I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to build a set of 150 for those 150 maxes. And I want to build a set of 25 lineups for that 25 max beanball. And I want to build lineups that are strategically correct for those contests. And then I want to make sure those lineups end up in the right contests when it's time to build, right? Well, SaberSim makes that very easy, right? With our, our, our sliders are optimized for particular contest sizes. So these two contests are both 150 max with over 50K entrance. So you can come in here and say, you know, what is the best strategy to use for that particular contest and build 150 lineups, right? Um, just like we did a second ago. And we're going to get lineups that are probably very leveraged against ownership, probably very diverse, right? Across that set of 150. Um, they're going to be optimized to build lineups for what it takes to beat 50,000, uh, 150,000 other lineups in the case of the wiffle ball here, right? So we'll let this build here um, and we can get these lineups going here. And then we can build another build for the 25 max and say, you know, what is the optimal strategy to beat that particular contest? And then get these lineups into the right contests here using SaberSim's entry editor. So we'll build these lineups. Obviously at this point you could use, you know, our exposure tools to manage your risk, right? Maybe, you know, maybe based on what I was saying before, maybe I decide I don't want to be over the field on a lot of these Padres. So I can adjust some exposures here, uh, maybe make some adjustments. Um, oh, that's Scherzer. I'm okay. I'm okay being over the field on Scherzer, but maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm bringing down my exposure to some of these Padres bats. I'm adding a little bit of value by making some adjustments based on my risk tolerance here. Um, and I'm good. I'm happy with that build, right? So I'll click save. And then we can build another set of lineups. And this time this is for the 25 max, right? So we'll use the 20 max sliders. Um, that's the closest one here. This contest only has uh, a little over 6,000 entrance. So we'll change the entrance here. And you can see the strategy changes. We don't need to be as aggressive with our ownership fade. Uh, we don't need to be as aggressive with our sim precision. Um, we can change this to 25 and build another set of 25 lineups. Now, I'm sure those of you that watch this show often are like, whoa, why are you doing two different builds for these different contests? Don't you typically build all your lineups together? You know, I do a lot of times because I like to make a lot of adjustments to my exposures. It's easier for me to manage everything through one build. But if you were, you know, sitting down um, and you were struggling to say like, hey, you know, what should I do in my three maxes? What should I do in my 20 maxes? What should I do in my 150 maxes? And getting familiar with what the differences in strategy between those contests are, I do think using the default sliders and breaking these into separate builds can be a good way to start with that. Um, so we'll let this build here now. And uh, I don't need all 500 lineups in this case. So we'll stop the build there. And you can see here, right, in a 25 max, right, we're way over the field on the Padres. We don't need to get as different. We don't need to diversify as much to beat out 6,000 lineups as we do to beat 143,000 or whatever it is in the wiffle ball, right? There's a difference in strategy here. And then when we're all done, we can click fill entries and we can fill these lineups accordingly. So this is our 25 max, right? This is intended to go into the bean ball. So we can specifically say, put those into the bean ball, fill 25. Uh, and then we can go back here and find our 150 max build, right? Which is this one. 
And we can pick that and we can say, fill these into those contests, right? And now we've got an entries file that's ready to go. And I can upload it right back to FanDuel. And very easy, right? We got lineups that are optimized strategically for two different types of contests. Um, and we uploaded them all in and we made sure that the right lineups got into the right contest. So uh, again, uh, you know, I'm a, I was a little bit unsure just looking at this question, if this is more about strategy uh, or like process, right? Are you talking, you know, I don't know how to make a lineup that's good in a single entry versus a 150 max. Or are you saying, I don't know how to make sure that my single entry lineup ends up in my right contest compared to my 150 max. So kind of tried to split the difference here and talk about both. But if you have more specific questions um, one way or the other, let me know. And happy to to come back in to that question. Um, Nick said you play five. You said you play five percent of bankroll for each slate. But if there were five sports going on for a particular day, do you use twenty five percent total? Um, in theory, as long as the results of one sport are completely uncorrelated to the results of the other, then yes. So, like if you're playing baseball and golf on Thursday this week, right? You could theoretically use up to five percent for the main slates for both, right? Your The results of your golf lineups have no impact on the results of your baseball lineup. So it the fact that they're on the same day is purely essentially coincidence. Now you the your results of your lineups in the main slate for a baseball, for a night of baseball are correlated to your results in the night slate for baseball, right? If you do really well in one, it's probably likely that you did really well in the other. And actually more importantly, the opposite is also true, right? If you do really bad in the main slate, you know, it's possible that you can save yourself with the night slate, but you do have correlation. Those results are correlated and you're probably more likely to have done worse in the night slate as well. Uh, for correlated slates or sports, I would probably not exceed more than five, maybe up to, up to 10% for a set of correlated slates. Um, I would probably, I think it's much safer to say max five there for a set of correlated slates, but because that correlation is not perfect, I think you can increase it a little bit more than that. Um, but yes, for this particular example, you could potentially use up to 25% total of your bankroll to play five different completely uncorrelated sports that all happen on the same day. Um, with that said, the last note I'll make on this is remember that 5% is your true ceiling maximum, right? Our rules say do not exceed 5% of your bankroll for a particular slate uh, because your risk of ruin goes up exponentially from there. 5% uh, is what I would say I would use if you have a sure edge, if you are confident that you are profitable in the sport, that you are have a surefire edge uh, and that your risk tolerance is actually pretty high and you are comfortable with larger swings. Uh, if you are uncomfortable with the idea of significant swings to your bankroll, like I'm talking, you know, potentially 50% or more sized downswings to your bankroll over the course of the season, that is probably too much. And if you are playing a sport that you are not as sure about your edge in that particular sport, it's also probably too much, right? Um, like, you know, for example, for me, I feel like I'm a very skilled baseball DFS player. I'm pretty generally comfortable using 5% of my bankroll at any time to play a given baseball slate. Uh, in NASCAR, something like that, right? Something that I've been experimenting with this year as we put out our new simulations, not as experienced. This is my first season playing NASCAR. I'm not just going to dive in and play 5% of my bankroll uh, 
just because that's what the DFS profit plan says is the maximum to use for a particular slate. I'll play a lot less for a sport like that where I'm not as confident in an edge, right? Um, you know, golf is an interesting example too. I love golf DFS. I've been playing golf DFS for a few years, but I feel like because correlations are lower in that sport, ownership is a little bit, uh, more efficient. Um, the, uh, probabilities of success for any given player are, are lower. Uh, I think it's a harder sport to beat. So even though I'm familiar with golf DFS, um, I think I'm a skilled golf DFS player. I'll typically play less than I would in like a baseball slate because I think it is just a harder sport to beat overall. So remember that 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 five percent is a true maximum um, that you you can certainly play less of, um, and that and then remember risk tolerance as well, right? Like if you are playing five percent of your bankroll, even in a sport where you have a good edge, you are essentially maximizing your you are you are you are maximizing the potential swings that you are going to see um, to your bankroll over the course of the season. So. Um, the last note I'll make on this, and uh, this also depends on your, the last note I'll make on this, this also depends on your strategy, right? So I play in a diversified style. I talk about this a lot on stream. Uh, I'm typically the type to increase my sim precision slider, to decrease my exposures to my highest exposed plays in my lineup portfolio, to spread out on a night like tonight, uh, seven game slate on FanDuel, I would be surprised if I didn't have at least one stack of every team on the slate playing in my 150 lineup set, um, which allows me because I'm so diversified, it smooths out my my variance on a given slate, right? I'm likely to have, I'm likely, I'm not likely to have just a total bust night. If you play a very concentrated pool of lineups where maybe you are, you know, if you are the type of players to use a core where you maybe lock in two pitchers and a stack in all of your lineups, you probably want to play less of your bankroll because you are going to have total bust nights and then big upside nights. So I think how much exposed, how much bankroll you are committing to each individual sport also depends on your strategy for how you like to diversify your your pool. The more you are investing, the more diversified you probably want to be. So, um, and then Nick said, also almost every time I do a three entry max, I get the same starting two pitchers for each of the three. Do you recommend playing those same pitchers for all three, or should I turn the exposures down after? Yeah. So, for a you know for a three entry max, let's just look at this and kind of talk about why this is. Right. Okay. So if we do a three max, right. And say you're trying to beat the hot shot, which I think is probably like that, right. Sim precision is going to be down here. It's going to be pretty low. We're, we're building each lineup from an average of 64 random simulations of each game, which means that yes, like, are there situations where Aaron Nola is not the best overall pitcher to use on the slate? Or actually, are there situations where Nola and Scherzer are not the best overall pitching pairing to use on the slate? Yeah, definitely. But when you're taking the average of 64 lineups, 64 simulations, how frequently does that happen? Probably not that often. And if we build lineups here, we can look and actually kind of see uh, what these lineups look like. Um, and... Uh, I'll give this a second to build, but we can actually see what 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 these look like here. And I I'm expecting that we probably see in our three lineups probably mostly Nola and Scherzer, right? Um, but let me let this build here before I keep going. I frequently get ahead of myself on this stream as lineups are building. Uh, when I actually I built the build for a reason. I want to I want to show something. I want to demonstrate something, but. 
So let this build finish up. Actually, no, we won't. We don't need 500 lineups here in this particular case to do this. Okay. Um, okay, so in this particular case, we have 100% NOLA. We have 66. We have two of our lineups, I'm sure, or one of them has Max Freed, right? Uh, so there are some other good pitchers on the slate here tonight. Um, should you diversify, right? Do you recommend playing the same pitchers for all three, or should you turn the exposures down after, right? Well, let's look at the lineups here and kind of see what we're getting here. Um, so you can see there's kind of a consistent construction here, right? We have Padre stacks in all three, uh, and we have, so we have similar pitchers, always a five Padres five stack. Um, and then we're varying that small mini stack, right? We take a shot on the lower owned Detroit one, two, nine, uh, stack here, correlated stack. Uh, we take a spot on, um, maybe some less likely to be owned Rockies bats. So we have like the two, six, eight Rockies three stack along in there. Um, and then in this case, we have the, uh, the guardian stack, another, uh, one, two, nine in this particular case, actually. Right. So you can kind of see how these lineups are different. Now, Saberson is saying that on average, these lineups are diversified enough as a set of three to run together in a, in a contest where you are trying to, where it's a three max of 5,000 different people, right? You can certainly diversify further. You could say, I don't want to use a player in any more. I don't want to use a pitcher in any more than one of these lineups. Right. And you will probably find that there is enough diversity in your pool to get that done. Right. Let's do this real quick here. This is more of a risk tolerance question. Right. Are you comfortable for your pool of three lineups having one pitcher in all three? Right. If, if Nola gets lit up and the Cardinals go off, right. Cardinals are good. Right. If Nola gets lit up, lit up and you are, and you have them in all three lineups, your lineups are sunk. Right. On the flip side, if he has a good day, he's the best overall projected pitcher. Clearly, Saberson wants to use him and you've limited his exposure. Right. You are basically not only hoping that you get like Nola right in this case, but you get all the other pieces right too. Right. That it makes sense that it's, you know, Nola, Scherzer, a Padres plus Tiger stack. Right. This playing this way gives you a little bit more shots on goal here. Uh, if, if you get Nola and Scherzer and Freed right. Right. So it's a more of a risk tolerance question. These lineups all probably have similar expected value, whether you choose to diversify or not. So it's more about, you know, how, what's, what's your overall risk tolerance? What's your overall risk portfolio? For what it is worth, I don't think a three max contest is the best place to diversify. If I was playing just three lineups that night, I would probably be more concerned about maximizing the EV and playing the best three lineups I could come up with, as opposed to thinking about, I want to, you know, spread out my risk and avoid a situation where all three lineups are sunk because it's only three lineups. Whereas, you know, with 150, there's way more opportunities to diversify, right? I may let be less concerned, you know, I may be more interested in diversifying and playing a wider variety of players purely just so I don't end up in a situation where my entire 150 is sunk because NOLA gets lit up than I would be in three lineups. So um, I guess, you know, kind of to summarize here, uh, one, the default sliders and particularly the sim precision sliders for a three max contest are going to be lower, which is going to lean a little bit closer to the average projections, which means this is going to happen a lot. I think you'll see that this is frequently what you get for your three max contests. If you want to change this, you certainly can. Your lineup pool is probably pretty diverse and you certainly can. It is more about your own personal risk tolerance than anything. 
And then the final point here is that with kind of all of that said, I think your three maxes, your single entries, things like that are not your best opportunities to play very diverse portfolios. Um, and I would probably be more concerned with playing the best possible lineups possible. So if the best possible lineups means that I have 100% NOLA and 100% Padre stacks, so be it for me. So, um, okay. Uh, cool tune, Luke. When doing fill unique random, does that use my top saber score lineups, but randomly fill them into the various contests I have, or does it pick random lineups from the entire pool? Uh, hoping for the former, not the latter. It is indeed the former. So if you take, if you take a, uh, hundred, uh, if you take a 300 lineup set and fill that into two 150 maxes, unique random, right? That will make sure you're, you're only your 300 lineups in your pool will be used to fill those, not your entire 500 or 1500 lineup pool, only the lineups in the set. That's true of all the fill methods. We will never, we will never go outside of the lineups in a get lineup set to fill contests. So even if you don't have enough lineups to fill everything, right? That's when you get the duplication message saying that, hey, we need to dupe some lineups in your lineup set to fill all these. We will never, there will never be a lineup that is in your pool, but not in your lineup set that gets used to fill something. So, all right. Uh, crypto artist said, I played a showdown today, 20 lineups. Dozier ended up out and did a quick swap. Uh, only let me do nine lineups. The other 11, it said, I did not play him, had to manually take him out. Um, interesting. Uh, it's hard for me to necessarily know exactly what might've happened here. Um, Honestly, it, if if this happened exactly the way you described, it sounds like it might have been a, a bug with the way that we were handling this particular player. Um, as always, you can use the report a problem link up here to let us know that something went wrong. Um, it's also possible that, you know, there might have been a salary reason. Um, what was his salary? Um, Dozier. So he's 8, 8K. Um Yeah, so it probably should have still been able to find a swap. Like, there's probably somebody else here. Let's close this. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, so there probably should have been somebody else that it could have swapped to. Um, hard to know exactly what what went wrong here. Um, you know, one other thing that you can you can do, especially for especially for for showdown, right? Um, you know, you could always do kind of a last second late swap. I've done that before, where like you know. I do a quick swap, even in a main slate, right? I do a quick swap to get a player that's out out of as many lineups as possible. And then maybe there's like four lineups left over that it can't find. Uh, then what you can do is go in and late swap and basically do a rebuild, right? Rebuild the remaining lineups that have that out player, which sometimes can help get that done. Um, can be another option here as well. So, um, but um, yeah. Uh, Guy Will Gamble said, uh, are you more likely to be concentrated on batters if you're that diverse on pitchers? Uh, and if so, would much rather be concentrated on pitchers? Yeah, I mean, I think, so we talked about this a little bit last week. I do think that's a little bit of like a general trend. That's that's true, right? Um, and you can actually even kind of see that here. So like, let's go and just take a random build here. Okay, so... If we take this, right, and we have 20 lineups. Okay. 
So, you know, a little bit of an interesting slate here tonight where actually this isn't a good build because this is for a three max. Let's start with a new. Actually, let's go back to FanDuel and dig up one of those 20 max builds here. So this was 20 max. So give this a second to pull up. But yes, I mean, I think in general, if you are more concentrated at pitcher, you're going to be more diversified at at your hitters, right? Um, so you can kind of see this already happening here, where like in this case for this particular build, it's like the Padres are by far in a way the best stack to use in this particular contest. So what does that mean? Basically, we pair the Padres with one, a wide variety of supporting stacks, Oakland, Cleveland, White Sox, uh, but two, a pretty wide variety of pitchers as well, even though Nola is the best projected pitcher, right? Um, we're not getting him in 100% of lineups. Now, if we did, right? And we kind of force um, ourselves to be concentrated at pitcher and doesn't seem to like that. What's going on here? Let's try it this way. Okay. So if we force concentration at pitcher, right, you can see there is a diversifying effect on our hitters. Now, tonight's a weird slate because, again, we have this Padres team that is a run and a half better than every other team on the slate. But it did serve to diversify us more at our stacks, right? Um, and, I mean, the reason why is basically because, you know, as we as we concentrate on 100% NOLA, right, when we're picking out lineups from our pool of 500 that are represented by individual sets of simulations of how the slate could play out, if we're we're essentially limiting our scope to say only show us the lineups where Nola is the optimal pitcher to use, the single pitcher to use in a FanDuel slate, well, there there is more natural diversity with our hitting stacks, right? Because you know, yes, while the most likely pairing there is that the Padres also go off, there's there's more opportunities for other teams to go off because we've already limited, we've already limited the conditions where only, where only Nola can be the optimal pitcher, right? We can take the opposite, opposite approach here as well. You know, let's go back here, reset that. And then let's go over to our stacks and say, let's force our stacks to diversify, right? So now we have 40% exposure to any one given stack. And okay. In this particular case, uh, doesn't really look like it had a huge impact, but I think on average, you'll find that doing something like that will also then will concentrate your, your pitching pool onto, um, a handful of, of different pitchers. So, um, and yes, I would agree that, you know, on average in general, I would prefer to have a more concentrated pitching exposure, uh, than hitting exposure just because of what these ranges of outcomes look like. Right. So when we're saying Scherzer is projected for 35.55, right. That's right about here. Obviously still has a wide range of outcomes, right? All pitchers do. Uh, but I mean, the most common outcomes are around that, right? Like it's kind of clear that this average has some meaning. If we look at Machado, whose projection is 14.55, right? Well, like, I mean, the most common outcomes are actually, let's even take like a better example, right? You know, the most common outcomes are zero right? Eric Hosmer, best overall play at first base, hitting projected to hit cleanup in Coors Field. Well, 30, 23% of the time scores zero. So um, yeah, I would prefer to in general be concentrated on pitchers that I think are somewhat more safe than any, any given hitter. So cool. At about 56 
minute mark here today. Uh, any other questions before we begin to wrap up today's stream? That was a good one. I appreciate everybody uh, that was hanging out with me here, uh, tuning in, listening along, watching along, asking questions here. Um, interesting, uh, interesting little slate here we have tonight. The course slates, uh, love-hate relationship with course field slates for me, um, for sure. I think they are... I don't know. They're they're fun little game theory experiments, but especially when the Rockies are at like a long home stand and we get two or three core slates in a row, or not two or three core slates, two or three core series in a row, right? Right? Which I think is what we have going on here. Um, let's see. Let's see what we have coming up. So we have oops, what happened? Oh, there we go. Uh Padres here, then the Pirates are here. Okay, so two series in a row. Um, so about a week of core slates here. Um, so it will be interesting to see uh, how ownership continues to shake out. Honestly, all things considered, I think ownership looks low tonight right now for the Padres. Um, this has actually come up a little bit higher. Oh, it's actually a little bit higher on DK than it is on um, FanDuel at least. But I expected to see this is a little bit higher because I think the rest of the slate is pretty dismal for hitting. This is a great pitching slate. Um, apart from cores, not a lot of good hitting situations. So um, I think at the moment... I would probably project ownership to be a little bit higher on the Padres. Um, but also, I mean, I guess the other, cons- yeah, no, I, I think they are. I, I feel like they're going to be higher because they're cheap too. Like Machado's 49, 4.9K. Um, it just seems, these guys seem underpriced to me. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, but Anyway, I don't see any other questions coming in here, so we will end the stream for today there. Appreciate everybody again for tuning in. If by chance this is the first DFS Office Hours you've listened to, uh, thank you for joining me here today. And we have a free trial for SaberSim on our site, sabersim.com. Come check us out. Uh, get signed up now. You get to play baseball game, baseball slate here tonight. Um, play uh, the rest of these core slates through the rest of the week. Uh, And in the meantime, I will be right back for another stream tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. So uh, good luck tonight. Thank you, everybody. And see you soon. See ya.